0: Hi, everyone. This is Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie, and I am here today with um, Nicole Heidebreyer, who is a, um, a doula. A hydrator. Hybrider. hybrider. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, my last name is Obohovich, which, like, nobody can pronounce. So I know.
1: That's I know yeah. thank you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um,
0: And she's um, taking some time today to to talk with us about um, what it is to be a doula, and you know what what we can do as a culture to support new mothers and um, the nursing mothers and pregnant ladies, and uh, to be able to understand that process in ourselves as well. So she has a really amazing um, website called Graceful Fusion, and um, she um, I'm going to read her bio next. I thought she wrote it really well, so. Um, <laughs> she has, uh, works as a labor and delivery nurse in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, oh. is a Donut International approved birth doula trainer, and a Donut trained birth and postpartum doula. She's also a Lamaze and CEA trained childbirth educator, a lactation counselor trained through healthy children. She's had hundreds of women over the past eight years and truly believes that teaching on a maternal child health is your life's going. Nicole has learned, is my favorite part, Nicole has learned that all women who have come to do this are essentially complete badasses and are such guides to the workshops in such a way that we learn from each other during the journey. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that, and I want to turn it over to you, Nicole, and to ask you, like, to, to define what, what being a doula is, um, what it means to you, and, and also how you got started on, on this interesting and important path, in my
1: opinion. in. <laughs> Thank you, and um, also thank you for making me listen to my bio read out loud. That was so uncomfortable, but also really great. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so a doula is a woman who provides informational, physical, and emotional support to a laboring woman. She also will provide support to the partner of a laboring woman if there is a partner involved. Um I would also actually add that a doula not only provides informational, physical, and emotional support, but also psychic support, because if there's one thing I've learned over the past 10 years, it's that birth is an incredibly psychic space um, where a lot of stuff is, is transferred between the people that are at that birth, which can be a really beautiful thing. It can also be a very intense thing. Um, Most women actually hire a doula, I would say, when they want to try to attempt giving birth naturally, so without medications, but not all women. Uh, Some women just don't want to get an epidural too soon, so they hire a doula to help support them in getting into what's called active labor before they would get an epidural because there's research that supports if you get an epidural too soon, then that also increases your chance of having other... Um, interventions, and usually in childbirth, you know, like an intervention begets another intervention begets another intervention. Um, and, I would, and I would also say sometimes women uh, would hire a doula because they think that they want to give birth naturally but aren't 100% committed to it. So they're sort of like wanting to hire someone to coach them through that process and support them through that process because they think it's something that they want to do Um, but they're also open to other options, which I think is also really good. Um, I, myself, am a big proponent of natural childbirth, but I would say my experience as a doula and as a labor and delivery nurse has taught me that it's not for everyone. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things behind this, like women give birth the the way that they live their life, and they bring to birth with them all of their physical and sexual experiences that they've accumulated in their lives. And sometimes that can bring up a lot of tricky stuff in labor. And I've certainly seen women who um, experience the pain of childbirth, the discomfort of childbirth, and... And they're able to deal with it and triumph over it and have this really amazing laboring experience. I've also seen women that experience the pain of childbirth and somehow it crosses over into feeling a bit like trauma to them. And then in that situation, I would say that having an epidural, something that helps you cope with that pain, is a really great option. So um, I would say for even for myself, like I'm not militant in my belief of natural childbirth. I think it's definitely not for everyone, but it for sure is for some people. Um, And it can really, either way, can be a life-changing experience. Um, I kind of try to explain it to some of my friends, and just for the sake of the conversation, I myself have not given birth yet. Um, But observing it and being around it for the past 10 years, what I can kind of tell or what I, how I interpret it is that it's like all of us, well, most of us, have had sex, right? So some of us have had sex with someone that we, we liked a lot and maybe they were super hot and, um, you know, had a great sense of humor or something like that. But then we've also had that experience of making love, of having sex with someone whom we really, really love and whom we know and feel that they really love us. And so the way that I describe it is that. So even in though both those scenarios, the same hormones, the same equipment, the same the same physical aspects of our body are involved, um, the experience of those two things can be dramatically different. I mean, at least for me and for most of my female friends that i talk talked to about that stuff, I know that that's the case. I mean, when you are making love with someone that you feel that connection with and they do with you, there's really nothing on this planet that I think can compare to the, to the feeling of that orgasm and to the feeling of being open with them. And my observation is that that's also true with birth, that there, there is an experience that you can see a woman having that is it's, it's, just, it's simply different, um, not better or worse, but just different than, I think, other things that can happen in childbirth when there's a lot of interventions that are involved. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, both of them can be beautiful for sure. Um, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna an interject and say that what I, I I love so much what you're saying, but what I really like the most is just permission for like it's it's like for women to go through this process which is already taking so much on every single level like physical, cool emotional, spiritual, um, and to to be able to let your process be what it needs to be instead of like holding. Mm. I know a lot of women put a lot of pressure on themselves to have a natural childbirth, and it, it's and and I love that you're saying that like that's not always the best choice. It's like yeah, it's the right or oh. wrong
1: out of it. Really, yeah, for sure, for sure. I I definitely believe that, um, which is weird because I think when you start your dual career, at least I know for me when I did ten years ago, like I, I totally, you know, was like, oh, natural childbirth, it's so amazing, it's so wonderful. Women just don't know about it. If, you know, if they just knew more information and they were better supported, then they would know and they would do it. And then quickly I became um, relieved <laughs> of that. A delusion, I would say so. So for sure, uh, it kind of—it's sort of like a journey that you just have to kind of give into. I would say really like, and so maybe that's the difficult thing about it is that it's like, it's like your beginning lesson as a mother, which is your complete lack of control over things, <laughs> um, yeah. as much as you as you want to, um, because then you have this thing that you love more than I. I think you really ever knew that you could love something. Um, mm. Yeah, well, in any case, so how did I get started doing this? Um, it's a bit of a long story, but the short of it is that I used to live and work in New York City as a production manager for concerts and festivals and just in live events in general. And I was enjoying that a lot, actually. But I started having this feeling in my mid-twenties that I wanted to do something that was working more with women. I I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I just knew that I wanted to do something that was more female-focused. And through a long and convoluted series of events, I ended up being in Sumatra in Indonesia volunteering for an international NGO there and I met an American midwife who was living in Indonesia. Her name's Robin Lim. And she invited me to a birth, and it was the birth of twins. And actually, we just had our 10-year anniversary of that birth last week. Um, oh, cool. was really beautiful. Yeah, we reached out to each other and talked about how much ourselves and our lives have changed since that, that fateful day. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, so I attended that birth, and it changed a lot of things in my life. It changed my career path. It changed um, the, the man I was dating at the time and it just sort of gave me courage and like opened up my eyes to a whole other realm of life that I didn't know about. I felt like it was like the secret that I was being let in on, which was really beautiful for me. Um, So I came back to the States eventually. I traveled for like another year and a half, but eventually I came back to the States. I did a bunch of research on maternal health and what are some things that I could do, Uh, becoming a midwife, becoming a doula, going back to school, becoming a lactation consultant or a master in public health with a focus on maternal health. Like there were a lot of different things that were revealed to me that I could do with it, but I just decided to kind of start small, I, I jokingly thought, or in hindsight, I say that jokingly, because working as a doula is not small. It's, um, it quickly can become an obsession and a passion, I think, for some of us. We call ourselves birth junkies, once you, once <laughs> you, <birth them. laughs> once you get the tick. Um, so it just, it just builds from there. So I did a doula workshop, then I did a postpartum doula workshop, then a lactation counselor, childbirth educator, I became on, I was on the board of the, um, of the kind of largest and most well-known doula organization which is called um, Doula's, Dona Nor- International, which is Doulas of North America. Um, I was the director of international development for them for about three years. That was really great. And then I became a trainer. And then that was just sort of like the icing on the cake because in general I loved teaching. And uh, it's a a space and a role that I have always kind of gravitated towards. So now working as um, a doula trainer is just sort of like, I don't know. I mean, I think it may be like the most amazing thing I get to do while I'm on this planet. And I I kind of just like want to keep doing it and just doing it better and better and more and more. So that's, that's where I'm at now.
0: I love it. Well, it sounds like you really found your calling.
1: Hmm. I, I think so. I, I feel like it. I just, <laughs> yeah, now I just need to figure out a way of like, I guess, finding a balance, like, I don't know, doing it more or being able to make more money doing it. And then if I can't, then having a job that allows me to do it as much as I would like to. So that's the thing that I feel the most now, because for sure, I mean, there's so, there's so much that I feel I can do with it. So, I feel that there's more on the horizon for me with that. Um, I'm not sure how it will manifest and take shape, but it's very clear to me that that's a part of my, my future for my heart and my soul, for sure.
0: Mm. Well, well I, I feel like it's, it's really probably tied into, you know, cultural understanding of what a doula is. Like, it's, it's something that um, my best friend gave birth uh, about, like, five years ago, and she told me she used a doula. It. And it was, it was, like, the first time that I really understood what that process was about
1: and mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. giving
0: birth in Hawaii in the Waimea Canyon. And, um, and she was talking <laughs> about how like that doula had her in like this spiritual place. She's like, it was, yeah. was first birth and, and really intense in some moments. And, and even her husband was just like, he was like, Oh my gosh, like she had us in this altered state. And I yeah. got, I got intrigued by the idea after that. It's like, cause I, as a, as a yoga instructor, I've not given birth either or never attended a birth. Um, and, but, but it's like a, a yoga instructor, I, I, I do really connect with this idea of like holding space. So like what exactly. it is to like provide a, a container, a safe container, a strong container for someone to, to go through a really intense experience. And um, yeah. to go through that in a yoga class or a coaching program is one thing, but to go through it in this like completely primal act is always felt like I, I would want someone to hold some space for me. But I don't know if, if our culturally, if, if we're, I think we're starting to get it there, but
1: like, I, I wonder if there's a lot more on the
0: horizon for us to understand
1: that concept more. I think so, yeah. And I think well, what I try to teach in my dual workshops, I hope I do it well, um, is that in addition to holding space, it's also about maintaining a frequency of belief, you know, like of being the one in the room that is looking that laboring woman who feels vulnerable and maybe afraid, I don't know, maybe some women really feel quite empowered. Um, But oftentimes it is a bit fearful um, because it's really the only time in a woman's life that you're going to feel that level of pain, but it's actually pain with a purpose, right? Because otherwise when our bodies feel pain, that's a physiological sign to like stop putting your hand next to the fire or something, right? Like it's, it's a signal for us that something's wrong. That's how it's evolved. Uh, that's how pain has evolved for us. But in childbirth, it's actually pain with a purpose, like pain that you kind of just need to like relinquish yourself to and, and let go of and kind of dive into. And so I really feel that the role of a doula is that woman in the room who is looking at you and who is saying, I know that you can do this. I know that your body can handle this. I've seen other women do it. I've supported them through it. I, I believe that we as women can do this and that you can do it on your own with the support of these other women, of these other people in the room with you. Um, and it, it's almost in a way like maintaining that frequency and maintaining that belief that I think is, is one of the unique and really huge roles that a doula can play in in, in birth. And you know, the, the the interesting thing for me is also how that's kind of bled into other areas of my life, um, which I think is in some ways like what I feel being a doula has has been in many ways like one of the biggest gifts to my own life because so one of the things that we say in a doula workshop is that we're learning how to mother the mother while she's in labor and while that is definitely true that my doula training and then my first couple years working as a doula taught me more how to do that in better ways and more nuanced ways I think it also taught me how to mother myself and take care of myself in ways that I didn't really know how to do before um either I don't know I I wasn't really brought up like in that kind of very super nurturing environment um my family is really wonderful but for sure not touchy feely or emotional on the level that I am I have two older brothers that are sort of like mathematical nerdy people that talking about their feelings is like the last thing they want to do. And then mm-hmm. here was me who was like, you know, playing with butterflies and reading poetry and like, I, you know, just a little bit out of touch with the people that I was surrounded by. And I, I didn't really know how to take care of myself, I feel like. And working as a doula gave me a gift of not only learning how to take care of myself but also like kind of just learning how to believe in myself because eventually what happened is sort of like maybe it's the thing that, that made me a feminist the most although i'm still not really i mean i don't know if i would call myself that but it's like like but being with women in labor believing in them and supporting them really made me feel like how Pardon my language, but how just totally fucking magical women are, and and we don't know it. Like we're not. I mean, I just, I don't know. I I don't I don't feel like we're taught how, actually, women, just as we naturally are, are like, what's the word? Like superheroes, like from a comic book. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we literally like have these superhuman powers, and I don't. that that's really shared with us enough in our culture because otherwise we're just like beautiful objects which is great because we are beautiful um and that is a power and and we are brilliant and that is also a power but I don't think I I it wasn't until I sort of depending birth that I realized just how kind of trippy and amazing women are and that kind of like like seeing that in others it sort of forced me to believe that about myself and that was, like, a, my own, like, uncomfortable journey, but really, like, a gift to me. Wow. Well, one of these superpowers is that we can read each other's
0: minds, because the, question, the two questions I wanted to ask you were, what have you learned about yourself through being a doula and being in the room? And, um, and what have you learned about the female spirit?
1: <laughs> you just well, done and done. The so. Yeah, they, there you go. Done and done.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, we and and it's 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 incredible to me just like how much like when we have space to to recognize that and honor that and to be together in that, like how we can feed each other in it as well. Um Yeah. And and to me when I listen to you, I'm like, Oh my god, I feel like you're so talking about feminism. So I just I I'm always so curious about how people define <laughs> this sort of like why like like why would you hesitate in calling yourself a feminist?
1: Well, I don't I guess because I'm I'm not sure what I define that as, even, um, and I think, okay, <laughs> well, also because i when I was younger, like when I was perhaps in college and kind of first coming in contact with that term, um, i i I liked it, but then I also sort of had this feeling of like, but I also believe in men i mean i've I've also. I, I also have the great privilege of being the daughter of a really remarkable father who is an incredible human being. Um, I think both of my brothers, although they're very different from me, they're also, like, really solid human beings. And many of the men who have been lovers of mine or best friends of mine are, are very... Yeah, I mean they have their own magic, um, and I don't know. So I so I think that there was a a part of me when I was younger that was sort of like, well I don't know if I'm a feminist or I'm like, I don't know what I am because I kind of believe in in all of us in a way. It's not that everyone. <laughs> let me get this. Let me just say this. I mean for sure there are some men who are like true selfish narcissistic douchebags, and I have unfortunately intertwined myself with them a couple of times. So um, this is not to say that everything is like pixie dust and bunnies in my life with the people <laughs> that I meet. Because <laughs> um, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have suffered those fools and I have myself been a fool enough. Um, I think I just feel like that I want to look at the world in a way that acknowledges that both sexes have these really crazy powers that are amazing. It just so happens that I am more familiar, and the women and women have shared their power or allowed me to witness it more. So I just feel like I'm more attuned with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I, no, I, yeah. I think it's you something thinking? I'm still working with.
0: Yeah, well, and thank you for letting me ask you that too. I was nervous to ask you because I'm like it's hard to have these conversations. But I was like, I'm curious because it's um mm. I think by having the conversations, we can help ourselves to define it. And I relate to a lot of what you're saying in there too because it's like I we can't do this alone, you know. Like I think what I think yeah. feminism is saying yeah. is like the ability to like really prize like the feminine spirit and feminine gifts and feminine values. And but we can't do that without the masculine gifts and the masculine values. And I I, I think I've said this before on other podcasts, but like. I just—I I wanna say I feel sorry for men, but I just—I I don't think that men have gotten themselves to a place where they, they are. I think we're just starting to ask the questions about men, whereas right? I think for women we've been asking them and defining things yeah. for a while. And I think there's a part of me that just wants to leave the men behind, to like figure it out. But then I realize that I want men to be feminists too and be help us on this journey to like define what is like the feminine, you know, power that we have, yeah. and like we have to be there for them too. <laughs> Absolutely, Sarah. But I, I think that yeah, I think that not, yeah, mm-hmm. masculine powers, they do have amazing powers—and I don't, I don't know if they've been given space to really understand or value that in
1: our culture. No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm certain that they haven't because a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, while we get shoved in our face. To look pretty and be smart, but don't do it too well. Just make sure that you're not too intimidating. I think they get shoved in their face to do all sorts of ridiculous things, Um, you know, which are which are not serving to them or to us as as people who walk on the earth with them. Even if you're not like romantically inclined towards men, um, it still doesn't serve any of us to not want them to shine bright as well. I mean, it was yeah. interesting, like, not, not to go into it too much, but this past fall, I briefly was dating a man who was really awesome. Um, it, it didn't work out, which is fine. We're friends. But I we were in Hawaii for a little time together. And while we were there, um, kind of just, like, talking and talking and getting to know each other more, it's like I had this realization, like, oh, my gosh, you you like get lost inside your brain and think and like overthink things like way too much, and I was sort of laughing at it because that that's like for sure like one of the hallmark ways that I sabotage myself and things that I'm involved in, but it just it was just sort of like this funny realization that he, um I don't know that he was a little bit too much like me in that sense, and I sort of loved it but in, in, yeah, anyways. Um, I think that there's a lot that we can provide for each other. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. It's, I mean, I, I, Nicole and I were talking before about, about some of the topics of, like, anything we talk about would make a great podcast. I just, like, love, love hearing your thoughts on this. But to, to direct it back to, to mothers, that, like, when you were talking about, like, um, like, learning how to mother the mother, like, that's, that's something mm-hmm. I'm really interested in um, mm. watching a lot of my friends become mothers and to, to really see, like, just the, 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 the badass, the badassery of that, can I say that? Mm. Um, oh, just, yeah. Like, what a, yes, what yes. a strong yes. and what a vulnerable decision to make for your lives. And, and I'm, I'm really curious, because I don't, I don't always know if we are supporting the mothers or if I'm able to support the mothers in my life in the way that, that really helps them. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are
1: around that. Right. Well, first, I would just say that we don't. I mean, we totally do not support new mothers or new fathers or new families enough in our society, and it makes me, it's like, I'm, Jesus, I mean, this is like such a soapbox I could go on and on about. I think it's disgusting. Um, and, I mean, we don't, and, oh, well, yeah. We don't in so many ways. We don't in just logistical ways, like the way that maternity leave is, or even um, for men, like their their parental leave, it's, it's atrocious in our country, so that sucks. And I think that, you know, we also, I think, as a society, there's this weird thing that's happened now, because now that we all, like, move around so much, um, it's like in a way we no longer have these, these tribes. Um, So I feel like before, a long, long, long time ago, women, couples gave birth, and then they had other people in and around their lives, um, both friends and family, to be the aunt, the uncle, the weird friend who comes over and, you know, like, reads you your first book of poetry or something like that. I don't really know. (laughs) And I feel like now... People are so busy and there's, um, I just don't think a lot of awareness of that. I I guess what I want to see happen is like that we all kind of reestablish these tribes for each other and realize that I think that like the families of the future are not ones that are only blood related, but where we start like reestablishing more of these kind of packs and herds. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm also just thinking about this because I think in the past year, it's kind of come to me that I'm not... I mean, uh, I I do do believe in love and I do believe in in romance still, but I'm not entirely sure that I believe that those things have to be exclusive to if and when or how I'm going to end up becoming a mother myself. So this concept of like raising a a child within like a a building where other women or couples that I know are also raising children and we kind of raise them together, I don't know if that sounds like some kind of hippie, hippie commune dream, but it's just, it's in the past year sort of been coming to my mind um, a bit more. There's this documentary called Happy, and it, it, it
0: focuses on, like, some of the happiest cultures in the world and what makes people happy. And, and they focus on, um, it's, a, it's like a communal living situation in Denmark where a single mom moves in, and it's something where they share meals and share childcare and live with each other their yeah. in an independent apartment. And, and it's, it's, like, beautiful. When I watch it, I'm like, why yeah. don't we do this? Like, what what is the, why are we so prizing this idea of, doing it all on our own and not, and yes. being separated from other people. Like is is that making us happy? And like the idea of like the, the mom who stays at home, like I, I think we figured out that doesn't work. Right. Like watching that. Exactly. Like,
1: right. <laughs> and the reason I don't that
0: women started yes. to like organize around mm-hmm. feminism during that time. It's like, so, that that exactly. wasn't working.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I don't, I mean, I think as a society, yeah, just to say it, I don't think we do well to support new families. I don't think that we do well to support new women in that journey. Um, there's a friend of mine back in New York who has a website called A Mother is Born, and she sort of has this um, childbirth education, but also consulting company to help women transition back into their careers for a lot of the women who, who do, you know, that's the thing, like a lot of women nowadays there are more opportunities so they are able to build up build themselves up into a career that they really genuinely love and that they're really good at and so becoming a mother is then this tricky thing of like you know balancing love which is never never an easy thing in any case so she has this website and she also has this concept that she taught me where it's about like the four stages of labor so there's active stage when you're in labor, your cervix is dilating. And there's second stage, that's the pushing out of the baby. Then there's third stage, which is delivery of the placenta, but also attachment and, and the initiation of breastfeeding. But then she also says that there's this fourth stage, which is the stage of learning how to be a mom or learning what kind of mother you are going to become and shifting your identity, because that is essentially what you have to do. Like now you are... You, you become this other person. And um, I always sort of loved that, that she said that. There's also um, Penny Simkin, who's like probably one of the most extraordinary women on the planet that I, that I personally know. Um, but she sort of have this, this concept that she talks about, I think it was her, who said like when a woman gives birth, she doesn't just give birth to a baby, but she also gives birth to herself as a mother um, and, and, and to a family. And I think that... Um, I think that there's so much stuff there that is both subtle and overt that we, that we don't yet really honor and pay enough attention to. And part of it is because we don't have enough time to. And also part of it is because I think some of those things are really nuanced. And so, like, we're all just kind of figuring it out as we go along.
0: Yeah. And, and everyone's so obsessed with getting their body back and getting back to work.
1: <laughs> but, like, oh, well, then there's, there's that,
0: too. You have a lot of space for it, yeah, and sleep deprived, and well, it kind of it occurs to me just, you know, for something that we can do we need to support new moms is to like ask them these questions, like how are? Mm-hmm. I just had lunch actually with uh, a, a new mother friend right before popping um, on this call, and and we were talking a lot about like her new identity, and she was saying, wow, you know, before I was this person who like always had a you know a strong schedule and wanted to be in control, yeah. and she's like, I'm not in control and, like, how that was really changing her sense of self. And I was, like, I was starting to think about that. So maybe that's something we can all do is, like, sit down and just, like, ask our new mom friends that question. Like, how are you changing? And give them a way to, like, vocalize it. Yeah. And, like, honor that. Yeah.
1: I, I totally, I totally agree. I think, yeah, and it's also... I mean, like there's so many things in our lives, right? Where like people can tell you until you're blue in the face that X, Y, Z is gonna be difficult or you shouldn't date that guy or date that girl for, you know, these reasons, or blah, blah, blah. But until you are in it, until you are faced with those things yourself, there it's all it's like then there you are. Like there's I'm not I'm not really sure that there is like a huge amount of pre work that you can do other than as as an unmother person to try to just like be around your friends who are new moms and like really truly observe them. Like really not only listen to what they're saying but also what they're not saying and just observe them and be around them. Like that would be a great education thing for all of us. And I I think that that's also kind of lost as we don't, as we no longer live around our cousins and aunts and all these things where perhaps we would have grown up watching them become new moms before we did it, and so we would have had a more intimate picture of what that looks like. So instead, now, I feel like a lot of women become mothers themselves, not really, you know, not, not having that, that um, intimate exposure to what it's like. Yeah,
0: well, the only, the only time I've ever lived around it was when I was in the Peace Corps. And when I was there, right. um, someone in the house got pregnant, you know, carried the baby to term, gave birth, and and I left when uh, the baby was a year old. He's actually my godson, and um, it's it, yeah. But I, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is really—it's just I like it's one of those things that conceptually I understood, and mm-hmm. when I saw it, it was I was like, wow, this is a really primal thing that happens, and um, and, and there are traditions in Peru which I think are really interesting that for. 30 days after a child, a mother gives birth, they're not allowed to touch water, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. say what you want hygienically around that, but, like, these women are all the time washing and cooking and taking care of the animals. I I lived in a very rural place, and, you know, what it basically does is for a month, it frees them up the responsibility of having to work, and they get to line up with the baby, and people bring them food for maybe, like, the only periods of time in their life where that really happens, and... Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really tangible belief. You know, the belief is that you, something bad will happen to you if you touch water. But I, I look at yeah. when, what the cultural, what the practice behind that is. It's like it's giving these moms a rest, it's giving their body a rest. It's giving them time just to bond and relax after such a, you know, traumatic experience to the body in a lot of ways.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, well, they have a similar practice in Bali. Um, for 40 days and 40 nights. I believe it's 40. It could be 49, but I'm pretty sure it's 40, that a woman doesn't wash her hair and that her own feet and the baby's feet don't... Um, or no, I believe it's the baby's feet don't touch the ground or, or like the baby is held for those first 40 days or something like that. But it, it's the same thing. But, you know, It's a tradition and then, you know, there's the practicality of it is that it then means that there are people who are rallying behind this new mother and this new family and supporting them, helping to feed them, helping to take care of things around their house for them during this new transition. And, you know, maybe we'll never do that
0: here, but <laughs> just even having that concept in our mind that maybe for the first 30 days, new moms who are listening to this, like, maybe you give yourself just more time and more more permission to, to heal and maybe if you have a new mom in your life you can bring that idea up to them and just, you know, talk about, like, like take some time, adjust, let your identity yeah. kind of stabilize and, and like, um, this pressure to get, to get right back into the swing of things I think can be, um,
1: can be a lot.
0: So just yeah. start to have this conversation.
1: Well, yeah, I also, when I worked as a doula and also the postpartum doula, I would also try to emphasize it for the first time moms and the way that I would kind of try to highlight it for them was to say to remember that having that time to just lay around, make it as much as possible with your newborn and your, and your new partner that you've made a family with is really the only time in your life you'll ever get to do that because if and when you do have a second child, then you'll have a two-year-old or a three-year-old, whatever it may be that you're running around or that you're chasing around, you know. So like that quiet kind of baby moon um, especially that first time around is really unique and really an opportunity that you, you know, it's rare to to get to have that chance. Baby moon,
0: I love baby moon so much. Such <laughs> <That's> a beautiful <laughs> word it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a baby moon. A Baby moon. Encourage your friends to take a baby moon. <laughs> yeah, take a baby Bring moon. Bring them soup they, they, so they can just eat yeah. soup and not have to worry about cooking and. Digest things easily. Yeah,
1: yeah. Keep the heat on in the apartment. Stay naked as much as possible. Well, you'll be bleeding some, so I guess you'll have a pat on. Um, But, yeah, just, like, stay cuddled up with each other. Love it.
0: I I wanted to ask you about another aspect of of pregnancy and um, childbearing, uh, which is Out of miscarriage. And it's it's something I just, you know, I've had friends who've gone through this experience and um, know people who've gone through it. And I I feel like it's it's really tough um, because there's not maybe a, a great public conversation that that Mm -hmm. does go on in order to, like, really support what that that loss is and and to to help mothers grieve it. And I was curious if that's something that that you've dealt with um, professionally and and any advice you might have for when that happens to you or how to support someone who's gone through that.
1: Yeah. um, It's a great... I I also sort of love this topic, too. And I think I love it because um, it's something that is so sensitive and is a great way that women love to um, uh, torture themselves with, thinking that then something's wrong with them. Um, I know my friends that have gone through that, it's really difficult. Uh, But the the thing that I've learned both as a doula and, and especially as a labor and delivery nurse is just how incredibly common it is, but that none of us really know that. I mean, I think all women of childbearing age and practice will experience a miscarriage at least once in their lifetime if, if you know, if they're trying to get pregnant. Um, and and I just don't think that women in general know that. So I think when it does happen to us, I think it feels like, oh no, there's something, there's something wrong with me, there's something that I did, or I'm not healthy, or somehow, yeah, I mean, somehow it gets used kind of against us in our psyche which is unfortunate because I think women have a great gift of using a lot of things against us. Um, That's one of our our shadow sides for sure. And I think that so with a miscarriage it's unfortunate because I think that we don't understand how common it is and then in not understanding how common it is then I think women don't talk about it a huge amount with, with people in general and just normal conversations and then that kind of perpetuates this thing of not knowing how common it is. Um, I also feel like uh, perhaps there could be better support from practitioners around that sort of stuff. Um, I think in our society now when it happens, it's like, okay, 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 so then let's rush to do these 20 very expensive tests to make sure that you're okay and that everything's going to be okay in the future, Um, which of course is you know, a bit of a fool's errand because, I mean, those things can give you a probability for some kind of assurance for your future, but nothing can tell you, like, what the next pregnancy is going to be like. Control is always an illusion. Um, and, And I think instead of, like, jumping to the thousand tests, it would be great if there could just be more of, like, an acceptance of it, of an allowance of it, and just kind of highlighting how really normal it is. Yeah, Norm-
0: normalizing it. That I, um, mm. Yeah. Not, again, not making it one more thing that we have to feel bad about in terms of, like, our right. personal ability, like, per- permission to, like, have a really sad thing happen to you and to, to grieve that. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, how, how is, is people who are... Because I, I think that's one of the things that I, when I talk to women about it, they're like, you know, they're, like, you say it, tell people, and people are, like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, you're still young, you'll have another one, like, it, it, and I, I don't feel like those are the right responses, <laughs> like, like, again, I haven't gone through this, but, like, it's, it's like, probably not what I would want to hear in that situation. Um, what, do you, what do you think is the right way to, like, support someone who has gone through this or has had a miscarriage? Um...
1: Or well, I mean, right
0: or wrong is always a hard say, way to say it, but a way that might be more healing and, and satisfying.
1: Yeah. Well, well one, I, I can just say, though, that I myself have not had one. So I I don't know what that, you know, specifically feels like and, and, and would be like. Um, and so I think that, like, with the with the clients at the hospital that I am assigned to and with my friends who go through it. um, I think I just try to acknowledge, like you said, like the normalcy of it, try to um, help them focus that this is just one experience and and that, um, you know, there are other things and to try to have a belief in their body, to try to have a belief in the process, to perhaps believe that maybe that there was something wrong with the combination of that egg and sperm and, and, that, and that it's a good thing that it didn't move forward. Um, and, and I think just trying to like encourage them to talk about it more and to process it more. You know, I think I mean, you and I were talking before about how wouldn't it be great if we had these like definitive answers to certain situ- like to other situations that we were talking about specific to yeah. you and I? But I think the thing with miscarriage is it, 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 it's, it's included in that stuff that there isn't sort of like a right or wrong to it or like a thing that you can lick and seal some envelope and stamp it as being like, there, that's all, that's done. I think just knowing that like that's a normal aspect of a woman's scope of her reproductive life and that there means like if and when that happens to a woman there is nothing that is wrong with her there is nothing that's wrong with her body as it has evolved and that she can hopefully try again if that's what she wants and that it it isn't like um, or maybe just seeing it not as like this 20 foot steel 20 foot high steel wall but, but rather as just like a normal part of the journey that we're on. Yeah, and and like
0: a a normal one and like a heartbreaking one. Yeah, so like well, that's <laughs> true. It is. And like going back to like the female spirit is like is strong because it has to go through some hard stuff. And if you, you know look at childbirth throughout history and across the world. It's, it is hard. It's like, it, it's, a, it's a really beautiful thing, but it, it does, you know, have a lot in its past there. Um, yeah. And I think that's where the, the holding space that we, we all do for each other, as women and as men supporting women, is to, to, like, have a really imperfect relationship and, and to grieve when we need to grieve and, and to, you know, move forward when it's time to move forward and to not... But I, what I always want for all of my clients, you know, mothers and not mothers, is to not feel like that they're, they have to compare themselves to anybody else and that their process, there's value in it, even in the really hard parts. And I, I love what you say because I think that you see it as a process and you see it as like, you know, the discovery is kind of what I hear too in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it uh, yeah well it's it's hard, right? when you're really in the thick of grieving something, it's hard to be aware of the fruits that are going to come from that. And my teacher has this saying that I always try to remind myself <laughs> when when I feel like I am in the thick of things, so he always says like without the mud, there can be no lotus bloom and and i I think that that's really true, but it is so hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing because I'm just, like, laughing at myself. Um, it's really hard to remember that and, and to know that. And, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think the thing that makes miscarriage really difficult is just that it's not talked about enough. It's not normalized enough. And also that, like, in general as a society, we are not great with death. And so while losing... Um, an 11-week fetus is not the same thing as, like, you know, losing your child or losing your mother or it's, it is, I mean, it's, it's different. It is still a loss. And I just think that as a society, like, we don't really do, like, yeah, but we're, we're not great at dealing with those conversations, um because I cuz I think that there isn't like a right thing to say and so people then just default to, I don't really know what to say so I'm not going to say anything and and I think alternatively women who experience it feel like I don't know what to do with this I don't know how to process it so I'm just going to keep it to myself and like you know just try to get over it and move on um, so so you know neither one of those approaches is, is really helpful for for an opening um, but but I, do, I do think that it's getting better. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that more women are talking about their own miscarriages and, and difficulty with fertility is something that's a lot more commonly known. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that that's fine. But actually, can I just say something, right? I just want to say something because I, I don't want to connect those two because I – because I don't, because just because you've had a miscarriage doesn't mean that you have difficult fertility issues. So I actually want to disconnect those things. Um, because having a miscarriage is, is like something that normal people go through. Um, it doesn't mean that you have fertility issues. It just means that, guess what, you're a normal woman. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I hear that, that what maybe they do have in common is that they're both things that we don't talk about very much. And they're both very painful things. That people mm-hmm. maybe feel like they have to keep hidden, or think affects them. Um, and and it's it, I mean to bring it around to the beginning of our conversation, like what like occurs to me is that what we can do for each other is to be like a lap for those experiences. When someone is, you know, when we're lucky mm-hmm. enough to have someone share that with us, that they've gone through that, that. instead of feeling like we have to say the right thing, we can just hold some space for them to heal. Which sometimes is listening, which sometimes is you know dropping off on their doorstep, which is, you know, asking what they need or saying that I don't have the right thing to say around this time, but I know that you're going through pain and I just want to recognize that, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard in the moment because it makes, it makes all of us uncomfortable, I think, to deal with grief, but it, um, it really is, like, such an essential part of being human and, and what, you know, the mud that you're talking about is such a beautiful image that, like, allows the life to come forth from it, from the lotus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do, yeah. I really do believe that. I mean, I could can talk to you about-
0: for so long. <laughs> I, I want to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel insane. like for time, though. So maybe we'll just, we'll do... A, a, I always say this is a Vendorary podcast, and I mean it, you know, like, let's do it to be continued, and I'll, oh, we'll come back on and um, yeah. and dive, dive more into some of these topics because they're really important. Um, I, I would like to ask if... if um, how people can find out about you and anything that you would like people to know about you and coming up in the future in your work.
1: Yeah, um, well, right now I'm just focusing on doing doula workshops. So um, through my website, gracefulfusion.com, all they can find out about are my doula workshops. But hopefully in 2016, I'll start teaching um, comfort measure workshops for couples so those will sort of be like four to five hour workshops for just for couples where we'll go through like massage techniques and breathing techniques and um, early labor versus active labor techniques for a partner to support um, the laboring woman. Uh, but I don't I don't have, those aren't concretely planned just yet. Um, so that's it. That's what, and that's actually all I'm all I'm doing right now in addition to my full time job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh you're doing, yeah. Well, so, uh, really, her website is beautiful. So, check out Graceful Fusion. And I, I really want to thank you so much, Nicole, for taking the time and for sharing um, so honestly and so so much of yourself on the call as well. It's, I, I've learned a lot, and I and, and you, um, you opened up the conversation in some really important ways. So, thank you mm-hmm. for taking the time. Thank you, thank you for asking me. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. My pleasure. All right, everyone. Well. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you um, got something sparked inside of you. Go go support a new mother or, or ask them how they want mm. to be supported, and um, we'll connect soon. So thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. bye